We're starting a new series today, and before we start, would anybody be bold enough to share their New Year's resolution? Or is it for your eyes only? One person, yes. Less Facebook. That's good, it's honest. Anybody else? You don't have to, but if you want to. More family time. Louis, one more. More Facebook. <laughs> uh, hilarious. Um, resolutions are a good thing. Um, we're not going to ask you to make any today, but they're good. By the way, why, the great thing about making a goal is when you make it public, people hold you accountable to it. So now that you've shared it here, we're all going to hold you accountable to it. Uh, just joking. We, we, will, uh, we, we can if you want, though. But funny thing is 25% of people who make resolutions um, abandon them within a week after New Year's. And the average person makes the same resolution 10 times um, with little success. Now, think about this kind of resolution. Let's say you're a student and you say, I'm going to do better in school. Or you have kids and you want to encourage your kids, uh, you know, your, your son or daughter to do better in a elementary school or high school. And that becomes their goal. Well, studies prove if they leave the house without having breakfast, that they will do poorly in school. One of the reasons we partner with Springdale School in the West Island here in DDO, and we serve and feed 25, 35 kids a day breakfast, is because those children, even if they have the desire to grow and to learn and to focus, if they don't eat in the morning, they will not focus. And we've learned from the school that when they have eaten better, they focus better and they do better in school. All that to say is, you can have all the goals you want, but if you don't have the sustenance or the resources, at times, you won't be able to move forward. And I'm just thinking about that. We often do that um, with life in general. We desire to thrive. We desire to grow. We desire to live life as God intends it. But often, we choose to do it without the energy that actually makes it possible, so we dream of healthy relationships, we, we long for, pray for fruitful ministry, and if you're a follower of Christ, we, you pray for, for ministry to grow, um, you pray for and long for personal and spiritual growth, but too often what happens is we want that, and yet we're not connected to the source, or to the right source, to even get us started. So today we're starting this new series, it's called Abide. And we're going to figure out what that word means if you've never heard it before, but many of you maybe have. And this whole idea of abiding, and is this, this for the next few weeks, we want to learn, like, what does it mean to thrive in connection to Jesus? So we're not going to necessarily make resolutions, or this is not like a strategic plan for your life. Uh, but what we're, what we're doing for the next few weeks is soaking up a particular text in Scripture that Jesus first gave to his disciples so they could thrive, and the hope for the next few weeks is that it'll encourage you, but I think it's also going to challenge you. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to John 15. If you don't, it's on the screen. And uh, John 15, it's the fourth gospel, fourth book in the New Testament. In my Bible, it's page 90, 983, <laughs> if that means anything to you. Just joking, but it's probably around there in your Bible too. But um, John 15, Let's, we're going to read this, the next several verses and um, this will be the basis for the next few weeks. So we're going to read it in its entirety right now, and then over the next few weeks, just slowly unpack it. So here we go. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. 
He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, to lay down their life for for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. And this is my command. Love each other. Let's just pause and pray. Father, we um, just intentionally ask you and we invite you to help us soak in these words over the next few weeks. Um, I'm sure that regardless of where we are on our spiritual journey, regardless of what we're walking through this week, there is some kind of a longing in our hearts for more from you and more of you. Um, And uh, God, you've put dreams even in our hearts, uh, ambitions, but God, we long to grow deeper in relationship with you. And so we just pray right from the outset that these words would begin to penetrate our hearts starting today. In Jesus' name, amen. It's an amazing passage of scripture. I mean, like, you know, if you could just read this all year and over and over again every day and let it sit with you, it would, God would do incredible things uh, in you through it. The context of this is interesting because for, for about five chapters, from chapter 13 to 18, John records Jesus' what he calls farewell discourse. Jesus is going to be going. He's going to be going to the cross, dying on the cross, resurrecting, and then ascending into heaven. And this, this chapter 15 fits into this conversation that's leading up to the arrest and death of Jesus. And so this is not a great time for his disciples, but it's an intimate time with his disciples and Jesus. They're anticipating what's to come. Jesus is trying to prepare them. In fact, the disciples' feeling of this is probably, uh, you can catch this from chapter 14, verse 1, where Jesus tells them, don't let your hearts be troubled, because their hearts are probably troubled. And they're in the middle of this conversation, and Jesus is preparing his disciples. They will be thrust into a new season. Once Jesus dies and resurrects from the dead and, and, and ascends into heaven, his disciples will walk into a new season. It'll be a season where then they are left, not on their own, but without Jesus physically present, but then to move forward with the mission he gives them and the life that he's been preparing them for. And so Jesus anticipates what I think is an amazing season ahead of the disciples. They might not know it yet, 
but it's an amazing season. And you can see that Jesus anticipates that. In fact, just in the passage we read, he says at the end, he said, I chose you to bear much fruit. That's Jesus' desire. That's his anticipation for what's going to come next. He's telling his disciples, this is all taking place, and I've chosen you to be with me and preparing you to bear much fruit, that you will thrive, that you will grow, and that you will be used in God's greater story. And so Jesus knows, he knows, maybe they don't know, but he knows that they have the capacity to thrive. He knows that they have the capacity to continue what he started in them. They might doubt that at times, but Jesus knows that about them. And he says, I've chosen you. I'm I'm confident that you will bear much fruit. And it's interesting here because this is such a vital part of Jesus' message here. But the message isn't about the fruit. The fruit is there, and the fruit, we're going to get to that in the next few weeks, and it's part of the result. But the key isn't the fruit. The key isn't what they're going to accomplish. The key is for them. He's saying the key is the relationship. The key is this relationship we have together. How often we do that, right? We, we want to set some goal. We, wanna, we anticipate something that can happen, that could happen, that should happen. And what we focus on is the end result. And we often neglect to say, what, what source do I need to live out of to actually grow into this? What resources do I need to actually see this happen? What kind of energy or input or learning do I need to see this come through? And so often we just say, oh, I wanna, this is what I want ha- to see happen. And we neglect the resources to actually get us there. But this is Jesus' main message. Verse 4 is amazing. And this is one of the, the key verses in this whole section. And it's real simple. But he says this, remain in me as I also remain in you. Real simple. Remain in me as I also remain in you. In you. Jesus is basically saying, guys, if this is going to work, uh, if, if this fruit is going to happen, if, if the next step in your life is going to take place, if you're going to thrive, if you're going to experience what, what we've been talking about, if you're going to experience the life that I've promised you, then here's simple, simple words from Jesus in this farewell discourse. Remain in me as I remain in you. And that's the word we're just going to focus on today as we start this series, is the word remain. Now, in English, it's kind of like, kind of like, just let the chair remain there. Kind of boring, right? Like, I don't know, I I wouldn't use that word necessarily. Uh, It doesn't sound like an exciting word, but the word, actually, in some older versions of the Bible, is the word abide. And it has a different ring to it. In fact, we don't normally use the word abide, so maybe it kind of surprises us a little bit. And it's a, it sounds like a different word, a nicer word. And the word abide basically means to dwell in, to kind of like, like, like bask in something, to dwell in something, to, to join something, to get immersed in something, to stay connected. So Jesus is saying, dwell in me, stay connected to me, get immersed in me. I love Eugene Peterson in the message. He says, he, he writes Jesus' words this way, live in me, make your home in me. So you can get what abide means. Live in me, make your home in me. And nine times Jesus uses this word in 17 verses. And seven of the nine times, it's about his disciples remaining in him. Only twice, it's about him being in a disciple's life or heart, but seven times it's about us being in his, into him. And the core of this farewell farewell speech, I mean, Jesus could have said lots of things, right? He could have said, guys, watch out for the Romans. 
I mean, he could have said that. On a spiritual level, he could have said, guys, watch out for the demons. I don't know. He could have, could have said that. He could have said, hey, don't let the, the religious leaders deceive you. Don't let them you know, trip you up. He might have been practical and said, guys, get your strategic plan in order. I'm not going to be around. So like, figure out what's next post-resurrection and make sure you have a five-year plan. Like, maybe he could have said that. Maybe he could have said, hey, when you visit other villages, don't forget your toothbrush. He could have, he could have said that. That wasn't as funny as I thought. But anyways, um, he, he, but he didn't, right? Right in the core of, of his conversation, in the core of this, this con- intimate conversation with his disciples, he says this, guys, if this is going to happen, abide in me, live in me, make your home in me. See, we can have this ambition to thrive, but unless we abide in Christ, thriving gets stunted, the thriving gets stunted. So here, if there's one line we could leave with today, it's this. Unless we abide, we will never thrive. Unless we abide, we will never thrive. It's just a simple phrase to, to keep in mind. And, and, and this is how Jesus instructs us of this. Is he, he just brings in this simple metaphor that his disciples of the day would totally get, and we can even get it. It's not like foreign to us. And it's this, this metaphor, this image of, vine, of a vine and its branches, of a vine that grows out of the ground and then has branches that shoot out of it. And some vines are just pretty vines and they have leaves and flowers. But the kind of vines that Jesus is speaking about is likely a grapevine or a vine that would bear some kind of fruit. And in in verse 5, this this main image, this main metaphor that Jesus gives to his disciples comes front and center. He basically says this, I am the vine, you're the branches. So after Jesus says, abide in me, remain in me, live in me, he says, here's the deal, guys. Think of it this way. I'm the vine, you're the branches. I'm the tree, the root, the source, the energy. You're the outshoots of this. Uh, This last summer, my wife and I went to Sandbanks region in Ontario. Now, if you've ever been there, it's a really cool little spot along Lake Ontario. And over the last decade... Uh, tons of people, have been, or tons, several people have been buying up farmland and planting vineyards for the last two decades because apparently Lake Ontario has a whole bunch of limestone that you know, shoots through the, the, the ground into, into the land and it's perfect for growing vineyards. In fact, there's a Quebec entrepreneur at the age of 23, 24, she went to France and got a degree in horticulture and and vineyardry. I don't know what you want to call it, but making vineyards or learning how to do that. And uh, she went there for three or four years. She came back and with her partner, she bought several acres of of farmland and built, started to plant. She planted 8,000 vines on her own. And today it's called the Sandbanks Winery. And 15 years later, it's the best-selling wine in Ontario. I'm not telling you this to go buy wine. Like, don't quote me on that. That's not... You know, but here, here's the thing. My wife and I thought, wow, this is really neat. I've never, I like gardening. I like things that grow. So we went to check out this winery uh, called the Sandbanks Winery. And, and we got a tour by the, actually another French Quebecer, uh, a lady who moved there and has been working there for two years. And she showed us uh, the vines and she showed us just how it works and how they cultivate it and nurture it. And it was amazing how these vines go deep, deep into the ground. And, and then you can see it, it almost looks like a small tree. And I think, uh, yeah, you can kind of see that how the, the, the kind of the, the, the root of it, the vine comes up and then the branches are up there. And it's incredible to see what happens, how, how there's grapes at the end of it, but they're connected to 
branches which are connected to the vine, which are connected to, to the ground. And then you have the source and the sustenance that then goes through the vine, through the branches, and grows these fruits, these fruit at the end of it. And such an, a simple image that Jesus gives us to understand what it means to, to abide in him and why unless we abide, we will never thrive. Because unless we're connected to him, we will be like branches that are cut off, that are left aside, that are disconnected, that have no fruit. And why, this is why Jesus says with, with such certainty in verse 5, he says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. He says that with certainty. If you remain in me and I remain in you, as I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. But he also says with certainty, apart from me, you will do nothing. He says that with certainty. Unless we abide, we will never thrive. See, there's only two options in this, in this image Jesus gives about these branches. There's either branches that are connected to the vine, being pruned and growing, and we'll talk about pruning, pruning in the weeks to come. And the other option is just branches that are cut off, branches that are disconnected, branches that are left and look dead and are, are picked up. How many people have hedges around their property? Anybody have hedges around their property? You trim them sometimes, once in a while, leave them wild, whatever. I, I end up trimming them, try to trim them twice a year, and sometimes really short, and sometimes just to look nice throughout the year. But something I notice, after I've trimmed them and I've cleaned them up, uh, you always miss some, right? Because some just get stuck. But you can't tell because they all look nice. But about a day later, when I'm walking on my lawn, I can start picking out the ones that I didn't catch because... Now they don't look like the other ones. They're not nice and propped up. They're wilted and they're starting to lose color and they're slipping through the cracks because some of them are even slightly connected. But you can tell maybe I grazed it with, with the trimmer. Maybe I slightly bent it and it lost connection. And so you can immediately tell which branches are connected to the root and which aren't. You can tell which ones are healthy which ones are, are at the source. And Jesus gives us those two images, some that are not connected and some that are connected. And when you think about this image, I mean, in fact, if you cut, if you cut your hedges and you cut them and you, you know, gather them all up, the first few minutes, they almost look normal. But within a couple of minutes, they just start to wilt. And within a couple of days, if you don't send them to the compost or garbage or whatever, they begin to discolor and they begin to lose their green nice look, and they start to turn brown and get to dry up. Because if you're not connected to the source, you will never thrive. And it's not hard to get Jesus' main idea. Abide in me, you'll thrive. Don't abide in me. It's like you're, like you're going to die. It's like your life is wasted. So let me ask you a question. What's your hope for 2015? I don't mean necessarily a resolution and i don't want you to necessarily all don't worry we won't ask you to all shoot it out but shout it out but what's what's your hope for 2015 for your life for your relationships for your ministry for the people around you how do you want to thrive how do you want to grow how do you want to impact others what do you want what do you anticipate god to be doing in your life what's he already brewing in your life in your heart and so for the next few weeks what we want to do is not give you a strategy on how to achieve that, but help us get connected to the source, which is Jesus, who enables us to thrive. We want to unpack what does it mean to abide in Christ? What does it mean to nurture that relationship? What does it mean, what does thriving then look like? 
But today I'm going to start off with this, just a simple question. And this is how we'll kick off this series. And, and I want you to think about this as we start this, this next few weeks together and as we get into John 15. And it's, it's a simple question. What's your view of Jesus? Simple. Well, maybe not so simple, but can be simple. It can be profound. Depends how long you think about it. What's your view of Jesus? And in relation to that, what's your relationship to Jesus these days? Even if you've been following Christ for years, what's your relationship to Jesus? Or maybe you're just searching or checking out faith or checking out the church. Good question to ask yourself. What's your relationship to Jesus look like? You know, there's that common three, three letters, DTR, define the relationship, right? You often tell couples to do that. Make sure you define the relationship. Do you know where you're headed? Think about that. Define the relationship with Jesus. See, if you're going to abide in Christ, we've got to figure out how Jesus is defining that relationship, what he's calling us into, what he envisions, what he expects when he, when he invites us to abide in him, to remain in him, to grow in him. And here's how he kicks it off in verse 1. And it's really, this is the, just the simple point we're going to land with today. Verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. At the, at the outset, as Jesus is speaking to his disciples, as he's building up and helping them understand what it means to abide in him, first he says, let me make sure we're clear on who you think I am and what you think I am and what it would look like then. And he says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Now, a disciple in the first century which they were all Jewish in that world, they would have immediately gone to a certain image in their mind. And that image would have been Israel. Because Israel, over the, over the, the Old Testament, in several places, was called a vineyard. Or was called a vine. Or was said in, in the Psalms, it says that the Lord took the vine out of Egypt and replanted it. Speaking about Israel. But there's one spot in Isaiah chapter 5 where there's this song about God's vineyard. And there's one line comes out of the song and it says this. The vineyard of the Lord is the house of Israel. So first century disciples to Jesus, and they were Jewish, they would have immediately thought, I am the true vine. Man, Jesus is saying something about Israel. And another thing that they would have thought of is what this image that was on the temple. Herod would have built a temple at that time. The disciples would have seen that constantly in their world, in their area, in their zone, in their geography. And when they would walk by the temple or walk near the temple or even go towards or in the temple, there was an image across the temple and it was called the Great Golden Vine. And it was a vine impressed along the side of the temple. And that temple was a clear symbol and an emblem for Israel, that Israel is God's vineyard, that Israel is God's vine. And so for a Jew in that time frame, Israel was God's vehicle in the world. They, they knew God is using us or will be using us or is using us to bring something to this world. That's what they would have, have understood. And then connected to the temple, they would have understood God's dwelling place for the world is here in this place. And so imagine a disciple hearing Jesus say, I am the true vine. He's saying something really important. He's saying that Israel and the temple did not fully fulfill their function, their vocation, but in me, they are. I am the true Israel, Jesus is saying. I am the true temple. I am fulfilling God's purposes. I am the meeting place between humanity and God. 
Jesus is saying, I will work through those who abide in me. Just like I had plans in all of God's plans, starting with Israel, I will work with all people who abide in me. So who's Jesus? He's the true vine. He's the fulfillment of God's plans and purposes. But it also means this. It also means relationship. It means purpose, but it means relationship. In chapter 14, verse 20, Jesus says these words. He's anticipating when he will not be with them anymore. He says, on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. It's talking about a time when Jesus will be resurrected, gone, ascended into heaven, and sends his spirit. And he says, on that day, you will realize I am the, the Father's in me, I am in him, you are in me, and I am in you. He's talking about relationship. The sense of relationship and love that the disciples would experience because they're connected to Jesus. But then he means something else. When he says, I'm the true, mind, the true vine, he means life. He says, I'm your life. I'm your source. I'm your sustenance. The same writer, John, later in, in another one of his letters, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, says this. He says, God has given us eternal life. And then check this out. And this life is in his son. And whoever has the son has life. When Jesus says, I'm the true vine, he's not just talking about fulfilling God's purpose. He's not just talking about relationship, but he's saying, I am your life. If you are in me, you will have life and life to the fullest. So think about that for a second. What other sources, just as we're, it's not about the the turn of the clock in 2015, but just in your life relevantly right now, what other sources do you rely on for life? What would you say, this gives me life, this gives me you know, a sense of purpose. And some of those things might be valid, but what Jesus is saying is, I am the true source of life. Ask yourself this question. What forces in your life cultivate you? Just like a gardener cultivates their, you know, crop, what forces in your life shapes you, cultivates you, prunes you, changes you, leads you towards growing one way or another way? And when Jesus says, I'm the true vine, he says, hey, by the way, my father is the gardener. He's the farmer. He's the cultivator. He wants to to shape you and change you. And so put all that together. When Jesus says, I'm the true vine, he says, says, you find purpose in me. You will find relationship with me. You will find life with me. And so the invitation then to his disciples and to us today is, you want to thrive? Abide in me. Remain in me. Live in me. So I asked you before, what's your view of Jesus? So as, as, we, as we, you know, kick these next few weeks off, think about this. How big is Jesus to you? Just ask that question. See, too often there's this language that's happened in the church for years, and, and um, it's, it's helped people maybe understand what it means to start a relationship with Jesus. But it's this phrase that says, you know, have you accepted Jesus in your heart? Have you accepted Jesus in your heart? And that's okay because it's, it's the start of a relationship with him. But too often, we, we, that phrase has become, what's the word? Like Almost like the lid on understanding what it means to know Jesus. Because when we just say that, I've accepted Jesus in my heart, what that sounds like is, thank you, Jesus, for like coming into me. 
And you are like the bigger circle in the picture. So think about this picture for a second on the screen, the, this, the circle coming up. Think about this. Often we want to, we, see, here's the thing. It's true. Jesus does live in us. And Jesus promises that his spirit lives in us. And as someone begins a relationship with Christ, his spirit indwells us and grows in us. But Jesus wanted to make sure that his disciples knew something, that as they grew in relationship to him, that Jesus would be the encompassing circle. Not them, him. So here's the difference between just accepting Jesus in your heart and abiding in Christ. Accepting Christ can often feel like, oh, Jesus, we've invited you. Thank you for being this little dot in my circle. <laughs> and, and that can sometimes be what we view Jesus. When we think, oh, yeah, thank you, Jesus. I, you know what? My life is really cool. I just want to bring you in a little bit. And, and I'm the big circle. You're the little circle. But I love John 15, because John 15 changes the image. John 15 makes sure that we know we're the little circle. Jesus says, abide in me as I abide in you. He promises he will, but he says, abide in me. We're the little dot. He's the big circle. We align ourselves with him. We join his circle. We're the branch. He's the vine. We produce fruit because we're connected to him. And as Paul said to people in Athens, as he was trying to help them understand who Jesus was, he said, we live and move and have our being in him. He's the big circle. So as we, as we over the next couple of weeks, I just want us to start right at this place and just ask ourselves, who is Jesus to us? How big is he to us? If we'd have to say, um, how have I understood my relationship with him? Has he been a little circle or a big circle? But Jesus says to his disciples, you want to thrive? Remain in me. Abide in me. So here's two things to do. One is just, just simple. Just invite Jesus to help you realize what abiding in him means. Just a simple prayer. Every day as you wake up, say, Lord, wake me up to your presence today. That's just a simple way to start this series. Lord, wake me up to your presence like, we're not, no one needs to do a long list of things, but just wake up. I mean, imagine if you live in a house with someone, imagine you lived in the house, but you never acknowledge their presence. I mean, that would not really work, right? But you have, you think about that. So wake up every morning and say, Jesus, I welcome you. I welcome your presence. I know you're active. I know you're there. Help me. Just wake me up to your reality. And then as you do that, you invite Jesus to walk through every moment of your life. And then here's the second thing to do. This week as you're, as you're reading, maybe hopefully you're, you're tracking with us on your Bible reading, and it's only a chapter or two a day. Maybe two or three times this week, just read John 15. Just say, Lord, what do you want to show me? Like forget about just Dave's words. Say, Lord, what do you want to show me? What do you want to, how do you want to grab a hold of my heart? And then and see what he does. And I just anticipate God's going to do some really cool things over the next few weeks as we source ourselves in him. So that's how we're going to start this series. Why don't you stand as we close in prayer. And as we, as we take some time and just wrap up in prayer this morning, I don't know if you have anybody putting their Christmas trees away, if you've had a real tree or a fake tree, whatever. I told you over the holidays that, that, uh, that my wife and I, we, we, last couple of years we've bought a real tree and man, is it getting messy now. Like all the pins are on the floor and you just touch it and everything just falls. And because see, for a while, if you remember this image we started back in December, for a while that tree looked like it still had life. 
because we had first gotten it and it was just cut off the life source. But now that we're into January and we're three, four, five weeks later, man, it's shedding all those pins because there's no life going to them. It's, it's, in fact, it's already dead. And our, this, here's the desire for the next, this next few weeks as we grow in this together. We don't want to be like that tree. We want to be planted into Jesus, who is the life source. That's the image we want to be. That's where we want to grow. So let's close in prayer this morning. Maybe if you're here and uh, you're not familiar with prayer or what it means to trust Christ, um, just invite you in just this brief moment, even just use the words I used um, to encourage us to pray every day. You can just say that right now. Lord Jesus, wake me up to your reality. Wake me up to who you are. Wake me up to your life, to the life you long for me. Just invite him to do that. And if you're drawn to trust him and follow him, you can simply express that desire and say, Lord, I want to trust you. I want to follow you. I want to be connected to you, Jesus, as the source of life. Father, as we pray, um, we thank you that even in this moment, someone can get connected to you. Even in this moment, someone can hear your words as we've opened up the scripture this morning and respond and put their trust in you and begin following you. God, if that's anyone here in our community today, God, may they know that you are drawing them, that you love them, that you long for them to know you deeper. And God, for everyone and anyone here, Lord, it's, it's often easy to stray off, uh, to sometimes get caught up with something else that maybe makes us think like that kind of source is more appealing. And yet we know deep inside how beautiful and wonderful it is to be connected to Jesus. So even as we start this challenge and invitation the next few weeks, um, just open our hearts to what it means to abide in you. Open our hearts. And as we, we pray that prayer every day to wake us up, may we sense your presence around us. Speak to us by your spirit this week. In Jesus' name, amen.